Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Act 2 of The Valkyrie. I recommend if you haven't listened yet to our Spark Notes review of Act 1, that might be worth your time, as a lot of what we'll talk about today relates to, obviously, what happened in the, the first act of this opera. Um, but we're going to go right into Act 2, where we left off Zygmunt and Zieglinda, the two twins who have fallen in love, uh, have pulled this sword out of the tree that was left there by Wotan. And now uh, Hunding has given this uh, ultimatum or warning to Zygmunt to get out of his house because tomorrow he's going to continue dueling him, hunting him, as he had been doing when we started Valkyrie. And so we're setting up for a battle. And so we open Act 2. We open with a small orchestral interlude, um, which we'll listen to right now as we kind of move to the world of the gods again, and we're going to be introduced to the main characters of the first scene, Wotan, who we've already met, and a new character of Brunhilde, who is the Valkyrie, the, the title character of this, uh, this opera. So let's listen to this opening orchestral interlude. Keep an ear out, as always, for our leitmotifs as they are scattered everywhere. Here's the beginning of Act Two. So just as a little refresher, we open by immediately hearing the motif that we just left off of, of the sword. And then we hear a lot of this, what we might call the agitation motif. We hear that over and over again. So we have this sense right off the bat from the music that this is going to be an agitated act, and the sword is going to have a big big role to play. So then let's just skip ahead because we're going to be introduced to a new leitmotif, a leitmotif that I imagine actually even those people who have never heard the ring before, have never encountered Wagner before, or at least they think they've never encountered Wagner before, may have heard this one leitmotif. So let's just skip a little bit ahead where we hear this new leitmotif that we're introduced to at the beginning of Act 2. So there we hear, I imagine that music is very familiar to a lot of us. That comes obviously from the famous Ride of the Valkyries, which is indeed from this opera. We will hear it in our next review in Act 3, but we get introduced to this motif here. This is the motif of the Valkyries. And the Valkyries are these children of Wotan and Erda, the goddess that we were introduced to in Das Rheingold, the goddess of the earth, who warned Wotan. Um, and I think they had nine children. There are nine Valkyries. 
and they are tasked with bringing dead or slain heroes back to this heavenly world of Valhalla to protect it. So somehow, you know, in this godly world, these heroes are reanimated and can protect this fortress of Valhalla. So that's the Valkyrie's task. That's their motif. And we get introduced to Brunhilde shortly after this, and she announces herself on stage for the first time with this kind of Valkyrie heroic call that we will hear again in Ride of the Valkyries, but we should hear her first entrance. This is probably familiar music because it comes back again in this famous Ride of the Valkyries that people know from Apocalypse Now, from any orchestra concert you've ever gone to. It's, it's a very overplayed moment from the ring, but here's Brunhilde's first entrance. So there, she's not really actually singing any any words of any kind. She's just singing this kind of heroic call. But in any case, we're introduced to her. So then we get the first scene. Fricka arrives. If you remember Fricka, this is Votan's wife. Votan has had kids with many other people besides Fricka, but Fricka is his actual wife. And she comes and she says that she, in this upcoming battle, it's kind of like the Greek gods. They have all these players in the actual realm that they want to manipulate and you know they take sides some take sides of Achilles some take sides of Paris something and the same thing is going on here so Fricka takes the side of Hunding and she feels that Votan should not be meddling in in affairs uh, in the real world and that he's trying to control these players of of Zygmunt and Zieglinda um, to benefit himself, and this is, uh, you know, this is something that will result in he's been cursed and by Alberic, and and this all has to do with this idea that he he's trying to manage things, trying to hold power over everything, and Fricka is very much against this um, because she sees his object as kind of developing a hero in the real world to go steal this ring back for himself. Fricka doesn't really care about the ring. She just wants Votan to not succumb to this this curse. So she supports Hunding. We hear Hunding's motif again. We hear the curse motif. And Votan really feels badly for the twins. He he sees their love. We see we hear the twins' love motif. And Votan is kind of caught up in these ideas also of heroism and honor. He sees Zygmunt as this really heroic and noble character. But Fricka also doesn't like the adulterous element of this relationship. She thinks that, uh, you know, brother and sister should not be in love. And this is against the holy order. And so they have this long conversation where they talk about this. We're going to cut a large portion of this from our notes here. But we hear Zygmunt's love song again as Votan talks about 
Zygmunt, but Fricka really chides him for for involving himself in this adulterous relationship, which she says dishonors the race of the gods. And as she mentions him involving himself, we hear the sword motif, because as uh, as we've mentioned, one of Votan's involvements that he's already um, he's already stepped in this arena by leaving the sword for Zygmunt in this tree, and he knew Zygmunt would find it. Frigga's also mad that Votan has uh, cheated on her because Zygmunt is, of course, also Votan's kid. That's why he wants to support him, and and he's not Votan's kid with Fricka, and so she's mad about that. But Votan then speaks about um, how there's a need for a free hero, and I want to play this portion of, uh, of music. He says, This thing here thou needed is one who, free from the help of Godhead, Fights free from the Godhead's control, so alone where he meets for the deed which, though the need of our Godhood is to achieve, to achieve is denied to a God. So Votan actually wants there to be a hero free from the power of the gods on earth who can kind of serve his will. So he's been trying to manipulate things behind the scenes so that Zygmunt can be this quote unquote free hero. But we kind of know that. He's not a free hero because Votan is is moving the chess pieces behind the scene. So in any case, let's listen to that uh, when when he sings that line because there's several motifs that are important to us and uh, this is an important thing that he says here. So this is an important moment where we hear the power of these kind of the subliminal messages that these light light motifs can give us. So on the first part of that line where he said needed is one who free from the help of the Godhead fights free, um, we hear the sword motif. So fights free. So in theory, like this sword gives Sigmund the power to fight freely um, and then we underneath very quietly, but we hear the bass, the cellos and the basses playing this. We might have even missed this, but this is what they play. Which, as we remember, is Votan's spear, his his um, kind of the representation of his justice or his will. It's really the representation of his will more than anything else, and so his involvement in this whole situation. And then the line, so alone where he meet for the deed which, though the need of our godhood to achieve is denied to a god. So the idea that he can't do what a free hero on earth could do, and we hear this motif. 
that's the motif of the ring. And so the idea is there, the music gives us a clue. Votan wants some free hero to go and win back the ring. That's something that is denied to a god in his own word. So Fricka, of course, points out that Votan, he's not free, and Votan has been manipulating everything by leaving the sword and stuff like that. And so she tells him, you know, take back the sword. He didn't win this honestly, and Votan says he did win it honestly. Fricka says that this is this is BS. Uh, you know, Votan's just trying to manipulate things uh, behind the scenes. And so he, he starts to realize, Votan, that in fact he has been involving himself and Zygmunt is not really a free hero in the, in the real sense and that this is not going to end well. And then we hear a very important motif as he starts kind of coming to this realization, which I want to play for you now. So there, that kind of sinewy, sliding, low motif is what we might call Wotan's frustration when he starts to realize, you know, he's being thwarted and the consequences of his actions and that he's kind of um, faded in some way to not realize his his will, the, the will of his his spear as it's represented in music, but his kind of commanding authority is being eroded in many ways, and that's his frustration. So a very important moment that we should listen to is just a little later, Fricka tells Wotan finally, you cannot shield Zygmunt in this upcoming battle with Hunding, and she makes him swear an oath, and we should listen to that that moment because it is very important. She says, you know, do not do this, swear to me that you will not do this. So there we hear Votan's frustration again, and, you know, he says, what do you demand? And she says, shield not the Velsung, or the Vel- that's Zygmunt. So he's received his command in very dramatic fashion, and he is supposed to not involve himself in any way. So Brunhilde shows up. We hear her motif. We hear the spear, Votan's will, many times again. Um... And then at the end of this first scene, Brunhilde shows back up to kind of receive her orders. Fricka tells Brunhilde that Votan is waiting for her to tell her what she should do. 
and we end the scene with again a very important musical moment of a few light motifs as Brunhilde's going to receive her her orders from Wotan and here's what we hear then So there, as Brunhilde goes to receive her orders from Wotan, we hear this very, very imposing motif. Which, as we might remember, is the curse motif. And then we hear a lot of Wotan's anguish or frustration. And so we, we get the sense that in this next scene, and as Brunhilde talks to Wotan, the curse is again rearing its, its fangs, and it's going to really assert itself on the course of events in some very dramatic way yet again. And so all of this has the kind of, in the background, it we feel that it's cursed, and we know that, there's all of this impending doom. And so the music really tells us that as we move into the second scene of this, this Valkyrie opera. And we're going to skip a ton here in the second scene because one thing about Wagner, one of the reasons why we're spark noting these ring operas is that at some points Wagner can be uh, very long-winded, I find. And Botan in the second scene is lamenting his fate there's a lot of his anguish motif. There's a lot of this curse motif. Um, and he ends up telling basically his whole story. And so I covered some of it. Some of it we didn't already know, and I covered it in the prelude to Act One about what happened uh, before Valkyrie started. But a lot of it also is just recapping of Das Rheingold. And so it's a long scene that kind of uh, not a lot happens in a way because we're just hearing stuff that we already know. Um, in any case... A couple important moments. So we skip a ton. He tells this whole story, but the moment when he talks about touching Alberic's ring, he says, Greed was mine for the gold. The curse that I fled now flies not from me. What I love best must I surrender. Slay him who I most cherish. Basely betray who in me trusts. And so... Um, this is this is an important moment because he he says he's very honest you know 
he can't escape this curse and he wants this ring and it's causing him to, you know, all these concepts that have been kind of juxtaposed in opposition to the curse, like love and family and all of these positive concepts, he must surrender um, because he's cursed and he, he wants this this ring of power. So let's listen to this portion where he says that because that's a very that's one very important moment in this in this long story and we get a lot of important motifs as well. So there we hear an enormous number of important motifs. We, we first get the ring many times as he's talking about the ring. Um, then we hear that curse motif, uh, which we just heard. The curse that I fled now flies not from me. When he says, slay him who I must most cherish, uh, we hear the sword. And then towards the end here, he's talking about, he says, fade then away, splendor and pomp. Glory of Godhood's glittering shame, let fall in ruins what I have raised. Ended is my work, but one thing waits me yet, the ending, the downfall. And right at the end, as we heard that, we heard Erda's motif as we were fading out there, because as you remember, this is what Erda forewarned, that if Wotan can't escape this curse and his you know, endless thirst for the ring then the downfall of the gods is is what will come. So more foreshadowing. One very important moment in this, this long scene where Wotan is monologuing about his life. So then he recaps the warning from Erda. We hear the twilight of the gods motif or the fall of the gods motif, which is going to become very important later in Götterdamerung, which is 
called The Twilight of the Gods, the last opera. And he ends by telling Brunhilde to make Hunding go down and make Hunding win the fight. Um, he He's decided that, you know, don't go against Fricka. Try to resist your own impulses. You have to... You know, you have to let your own son die here because otherwise you're involving yourself in this this destiny, this curse that is going to end in the downfall of the gods. So as he's saying this, he's very torn. And Brunhilde, who loves her father, she can see that Wotan loves Zygmunt, um, but he's really bitterly telling her to make him him lose the fight. And so there's this big conflict in Brunhilde between love and duty to her her father and she voices that she says you know i don't know if i can do it i um i see that you love this this hero and votan gets really mad he says ha darest thou flautest thou me who art thou but who but the fettered blind slave of my will and so let's listen to that moment because it's important he gets mad and he says you know don't you dare disobey me um you're my daughter, and, and you take my commands. Uh, this is my spear. It's representative of my will and justice, and you will listen to me. So here's that, that moment. So, of course, there at the end, we hear that descending motif, the represent the representation of Wotan's will, his justice, his spear, as he says, you know, Brunhilde, you are the extension, the blind slave of my will. It's not a, uh, as we've seen many times and we'll continue to see the gender roles in this uh, opera are not uh, forward thinking, to say the least. So just a little bit later, he um, he gives his command, go. Uh, make Hunding win the battle, strike down Zygmunt, and let's listen to a little bit of music at the end of this scene because it's very important. Again, the command has been given, and we get this kind of musical summation of of what's going to happen uh, and what has happened. <laughs> So right there at the end of this scene, we hear this motif, this falling idea. Which, 
as we've noted already, these falling scales are Votan Spear, Zygmunt, anything that Votan has his foot in. But this, in this form, this is the Twilight of the Gods, the Downfall of the Gods motif. And it's important that we hear that there because the, the suggestion is that the events that are going to transpire as a result of what Votan has set into action here is in some you know, long-term sense going to lead to the, the fall of the gods. And then we hear Votan's frustration, which is tied up in all of this, this motif. So another similarly kind of falling motif, it's a little different, but all of these falling motifs have something to do with Votan, with the downfall of the gods, everything that he's set in motion. So then we go to scene three, a short scene, just a scene with Zygmunt and Siglinda. They enter the scene and they're exhausted. They've been running. And Siglinda, she says she feels guilty because, you know, this impending battle, she feels like she's cursed and ill always follows her around. And there's an important. There's one important moment that uh, that Zygmunt is singing. They're they're kind of singing this this love duet again, but also this kind of scared love duet because they're seeing their lives flash in front of their eyes as Zygmunt's about to fight Hunding. And Zygmunt says, "Whatever Shane has been brought should be paid by the sinner's blood. Then flee thou no further. Wait for the foeman. Fall must he before me." When no tongue's point doth pierce his heart, vengeance, then wilt thou have won. So, oh, you know, I'm going to stay here, fight this hunding guy. He's disrespected you already, and uh, I am going to defend your honor. And so here is that moment when Zygmunt sings that a lot of important motifs in here. So importantly, right before Zygmunt starts singing, we hear this motif again. And this, if you remember well, is the motif of the Velsung's fate. And so we heard this when Zygmunt sang about how he was doomed. And again, you know, foreshadowing, the Velsung seemed to be doomed. And so... This is not going to go well. He mentions that he's going to use his sword to slay Hunding, and we hear the sword motif again, and then we hear at the very end this kind of Hunding wakes up and we hear this imposing music because if you remember, Zyglinda had kind of drugged his drink, made him go to sleep. Um, probably she's witching. She had drugged it a little more powerfully now because he's waking up. And the scene ends, there's kind of this love music as they collapse into each other's arms, realizing their, their fate that is about to, to befall them. But there's this tender moment of, of love before this, this battle. So 
Brunhilde comes down and she's supposed to, you know, involve herself and, and make Hunding win this, uh, this battle. And she comes across Zygmunt first and she tells him, you know, who she is and, and why she is there. And importantly, there's a moment where in the early on in this fourth scene when she's speaking to Zygmunt and she says, Death doomed is he who looks upon me because her role usually is to remember bring these dead heroes to Valhalla. And so here's what we hear when she sings that. So that noble music, I let it play for a little bit just because I love, this is one of my favorite motifs in the whole ring cycle is that of Valhalla where we hear this. It keeps going. Um, so the implication is, you know, death doomed is, is he who looks upon me, she's going to bring them to Valhalla. And then shortly after this, we hear another very important motif Various names for this one. It can be called kind of relinquishment or resignation to to fate. This idea that you've you've resigned yourself to to the fate that is is coming to you. There's so much fate in this opera, and so the resignation of of yourself to that that fate. And a lot of these motifs are not things; they're concepts, and that's what makes them so powerful. And they come in these moments, and they're hard to name. Of course, Wagner didn't give them names himself. But we'll call this maybe relinquishment or resignation. So there we hear one of my absolute favorite motifs, the relinquishment or resignation motif goes like this. It's a great harmony, a great, great motif. Um, and a great concept, the kind of resignation to fate. So we heard at the end also the Valhalla motif. Again, Brunhilde says she'll take him to Valhalla. It's going to be okay. We hear a lot of that motif. But he says, um, she says that he has to leave Zieglinda, and we hear the motif of the twins' love. But he says, oh, them I follow thee not. I'm not coming with you. And he's going to stay and 
stay with Zieglinda, the person that he loves, and we should hear this moment as well because this is important. I'm staying. I am not coming with you. So there, as he says this, we get another very important motif that we've heard before. This destiny motif, and this motif represents kind of the inescapable course of events that, you know, Zygmunt says he's staying and he's he's not leaving, of course, and, and this is... This is destiny, but this is also destiny in a bad way. This is going to end badly. He says the sword is going to protect him, and we hear the sword motif, and again, he says he's not leaving. And Brunhilde is really impressed, and they kind of get worked up. They're talking about Zygmunt's passion, and we hear this big orchestral interlude at the end, which we're going to skip for now, but a lot of this kind of heroic and romantic music as Brunhilde is getting more and more impressed with Siegfried's love for Zieglinda and um, Zygmunt is getting more and more worked up. You know, I'm going to fight and stay and fight for my sister who I, I love. So we come to the final scene, the most important scene of this act, scene five. And we start with Zygmunt kind of lying tenderly with Zieglinda and then Hunding shows up and we're going to have the, um, the battle shortly. So first we hear Hunding show up, and this is the music that we hear when he arrives on the scene. So there we hear Hunding show up. He's represented by this thing called the steer horn, that kind of out of tune, offstage, very imposing horn sound. He's, it's like a hunting horn that he's blowing off in the distance. And Zygmunt leaps to action. We hear his sword. He runs off, and he's it's time to fight this, this uh, Hunding character. And so we hear Zyglinda a little bit. It's like she's ha- she's having a bad dream. She's kind of she's in the the foreground of the action while this battle is seemingly going on off stage. And we hear an off stage battle. We hear Zygmunt and Hunding yelling at each other. And you know I'm you know they're they're verbally sparring and and they're presumably physically sparring. And so then let's listen to the minute where. The battle actually culminates. A lot happens in one minute. Brunhilde shows up, and suddenly she's decided just in a flash. This is kind of all of this has been leading up to this moment. And Brunhilde shows up, and she decides, you know what? Zygmunt showed himself to be this honorable character. He loves Zyglinda so much. She tells Zygmunt, strike down Hunding. I will protect you. Um, 
And in that exact instant, you know, we see Brunhilde and she's made this big, important decision to not strike down Zygmunt, to, but to protect him and strike down Hunding instead. And then Wotan shows up with his spear and we get the stage instructions. Brunhilde in terror before Wotan sinks back with her shield. Zygmunt's sword snaps on the outstretched spear. So Wotan strikes down Zygmunt's sword that Wotan had originally given him himself. And Hunding plunges his, his spear into the disarmed Zygmunt's breast. Zygmunt falls dead to the ground. Zyglinda, who has heard his death sigh, falls with a cry as if lifeless to earth. So all of this happens in, a, in quick succession. And let's listen to this important battle scene, a minute of action where Brunhilde comes down, tries to save Zygmunt, but then Wotan shows up. His, his daughter, the Valkyrie Brunhilde, couldn't execute his will, and so he has to do it himself. So lots of action in that clip. We start by hearing the sword because Sigmund is flailing the sword around, fighting Hunding, and then Brunhilde shows up. We hear boom, 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 or Ride of the Valkyries, her motif. She says, Sigmund, strike him down. I'll protect you with the shield. And then we hear great, great use of light motifs by Wagner. We hear at the same time the motif of the sword as he goes to swing, and we hear this. the same time that we hear Wotan's spear because he, you know, swings and Wotan crushes his sword with, with his spear. And then, of course, at the end, we hear the Valsung's fate motif again. The... Right at the end, this, this motif once more that the Valsung's the race of Zygmunt and Zyglinda are are doomed. They're fated for for ill fates. So Brunhilde decides, okay, she's supposed to only take these kind of male heroes up to Valhalla, but she's so traumatized by this whole event that she's going to take Zyglinda up to Valhalla, save her because she's still alive. So Brunhilde grabs Zyglinda and flies away and flies back up to Valhalla to bring home this quote-unquote hero, not meeting one of the qualifications, one of the old-fashioned gender qualifications of a hero being male or dead. But uh, she takes Zyglinda nonetheless because she's she's so moved, traumatized by this, uh, this event. So Wotan is standing there looking at Hunding, 
looking at his handiwork, so much has happened. Uh, his daughter has disobeyed him directly, and this is like the worst thing that could possibly happen. Um, but also he's had to strike down his own son. He's had to kind of do this deed that he really didn't want to do, but he was told that he must do. And so let's listen to the end of the music until the end of the act as Wotan is looking at Hunding. um, And then we'll hear what happens. But he's he's kind of he's looking at Hunding and here's the moment of music where he's kind of contemplating what to do until the end of the act. So a dramatic end to the act. First, we hear Hunding, uh, or Wotan says to Hunding, go hence, slave, kneel before Fricka, tell her that Wotan's spear avenged what wrought her wrong. Go, go. So he says, go, you know, go meet Fricka. Here's, I'll show you that, uh, you know, well, or go tell her that, you know, this is what happened. I killed my own son for you. But then he's kind of, he holds a bunch of contempt for Hunding, and we hear that kind of hammer blow dramatic music. And with a wave of his hand, he strikes him dead to the ground. Um, just out of anger, he decides, you know what? I'm just so frustrated with the situation. And he ends Hunding. And then we hear him, he suddenly breaks out in terrible rage. He says, But Brunhilda, woe to the guilty one. Dire wage shall she win for her crime if my steed overtake her in flight. And so he flies off, too, because he is very upset uh, that his uh, daughter has disobeyed him here. And so he disappears with thunder and lightning and the curtain falls. And we hear that kind of a lot of agitation motifs, thunder, lightning. This sets up our our third act. This uh, Zygmunt is dead. Hunding is dead. Zyglinda is on her way to Valhalla with Brunhilde, who has directly disobeyed her father. And this is going to be a serious, serious problem. And so this will be stuff that will be resolved in the miraculous Act 3 of Valkyrie, I think my favorite act. Um, A lot of incredible music upcoming, 
especially towards the end of Act Three. The end of Act Three, the end of this opera, is one of the most dramatic uh, moments of music in all of Wagner. And we also get to hear Ride of the Valkyries at the beginning of Act Three. So something to definitely stay tuned for. As always, thanks for joining us, and please keep an eye out in the next few days because we'll be reviewing the last act of Valkyrie Act 3. And then on to Siegfried and get to Damerung. Thanks, as always, for sticking with us. I hope you're enjoying these Ring Spark notes, and we'll be back soon. (laughs) 